0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. Today is a little bit different because I'm actually sharing an audio recording of a recent workshop I did where I shared some tools to break up away from perfectionism, procrastination, and all-or-nothing thinking. And so in the next 45 minutes or so, you're going to hear some really concrete, actionable ways to start working through perfectionism and becoming a little bit more self-compassionate. Start taking action instead of procrastinating and start changing that mindset around things having to be either all in or all out. So give it a listen, let me know what you think, if you would like the slides that go along with this recording, or you'd like to watch the video of the recording, you can go ahead and send me an email, Jillian, G-I-L-L-I-A-N, at bitesize.es. I'll also link that in the show notes along with my Instagram, so you can also DM me on Instagram. And with that, I hope you enjoy this recording of
1: my workshop. Perfect.
0: So I put this workshop together because I talk to so many women and men all the time that feel like they are getting in their own way and that part of it might have to do with their mindset, but they don't necessarily have the tools to understand how to break away from that. And a lot of the time we get stuck in this it's like, I know what to do, but I'm not doing it. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And you're going to walk away from here with some incredible tools to help you actually know how to get yourself unstuck and break away from perfectionism, from uh, procrastination, and start working through the all or nothing mentality. So with that, a little bit about me. If you don't know me, uh, I'm Jillian. Uh, I am the the creator, the CEO, the head, head boss lady of Bite Size Nutrition um i've got over 10 years experience in the fitness industry i took my first health coach certification over uh, almost it was like 12 years ago now and i have been um i have been in this industry for a very long time i've seen lots of different trends and i also one of the things that is very very important to me is also the psychology side of health and nutrition. And so that is why, especially the last few years, I've spent lots of time investing time and energy and learning even more about topics related to psychology and mindset. Um, My coaching style is values driven. So all of my clients learn what their core values are and how to use them to benefit their overall lives. Um, And my coaching style is client-centered. So that means that you are in the driver's seat uh, when you are a client of mine. I am not the one telling you what to do. I'm helping you make decisions that are going to benefit your life. And I do that through one-on-one coaching. I have a hybrid model that's sort of like a group um, and online course model. And then I also have a self-paced online course. So that's just a little bit about me. And I wanna share with you, this this, this is not a presentation about weight loss. But this one thing I do talk about a lot is I talk a lot about habit change and the power that habit change can have on our life. And so the difference between these two photos is not to be like, look at me, uh, my body is different, but it's to understand that the, the difference between those two photos are a lot of different habits. Some of those habits are things like eating more vegetables, and some of those habits are the way that I think. And so, that can have a huge impact on the way that you look. It can have a huge impact on the way that you live your life. can have a huge impact on so many other things besides your outward appearance, Um, but it's really hard to convey that in a couple of photos. So, we're going to talk about that today. I want you to think about, before we get started, whether you are listening on Instagram or whether you are here in the presentation, I want you to actually get out a piece of paper if you can or notes on your phone and I want you to write down what is holding you back right now. If you want to share it, you can pop it in the chat. If that's personal and you want to keep it for yourself, that is totally fine, but I want you to consider what is holding back you holding you back right now. Cool. Next step. There's probably a couple reasons why you're here or why this is something that feels important to you right now to talk about. And you might just feel like you're stuck. You might spend a ton of time thinking about what you need to do, but the actual
1: doing it part feels really hard.
0: You might also know what you should be doing and have those shoulds going on in your head all the time, but there's always some reason why you can't do the thing consistently. Let's see. Mindset and multiple sclerosis. Those, so those are definitely some things that are real that can hold you back, but we're going to talk a little bit about how we can get through, um, especially what we can control today. And maybe another reason why you're here is maybe you're just such a perfectionist that nothing ever feels good enough. And so it seems like you're always beating yourself up about something. And so I want you to, with on that same piece of paper, I want you to write down, what's one thing you would like to achieve this year?
1: So if you're on Instagram,
0: go ahead and grab a piece of paper, write that down. One thing you'd like to achieve this year. And we're gonna break it down. We're gonna break it down and then we're also gonna come back to this at the end of the workshop and see if you see it through a different lens once you've learned everything that you're going to learn. And so, once you've written down that thing that you want to achieve this year, I want you to ask yourself, write this down as well, what type of person has already achieved the thing that you want? And so, this can be, you know, the type of person that's achieved the thing that I want is a person that values exercise or uh, someone that has gone through X course or someone that does this thing, what type of person has this? And then the next thing I want you to write down is what's one step, I forgot to write in small, what's one step, one small step that can get you closer
1: to achieving that thing. And I want this to be an actionable step. That means it's something that you can actually do.
0: And then the last thing I want you to think about is what would need to change in your life for you to do that one step in a consistent way? That doesn't mean every single day, that means that consistency can look different depending on what the step is. But what would need to change so you can do that one step consistently? And now once you've written all that down, we are going to move on into the learning portion. And by the end of this, you should have a clearer idea of what that tiny step is, how to do it, and how to actually motivate yourself in a meaningful way to do these things.
1: So I'm going to drop a bomb
0: on you guys, but perfectionism, procrastination, and an all or nothing mentality are actually different versions of the exact same thing, which if you feel personally attacked right now, when I learned this, I also was like, what? <laughs> but I'll, I'm going to explain this to you, so, you under, so, so it makes a lot of sense. And that is because all of them are related to fear of failure. If I'm a perfectionist, if I do everything perfect, no one will see me fail. But that also is paralyzing because we know perfection doesn't exist, but we can't seem to get out of our own way. Procrastination, and I'm not talking about procrastination like I don't want to pick up my socks off the floor because that's just, I just don't want to pick up my socks off the floor. But when I'm talking about procrastination, like not making a change to your nutrition, not asking for a raise, putting off making an appointment, that is fear of failure. That is fear of the vulnerability that comes with trying and failing. So if I don't try, if I keep putting it off, I don't have to face the potential that I'll fail. And all or nothing thinking is the same. All or nothing thinking is if I go all in, if I put in all of my effort, there's no way I'm going to fail. And that's why every time you see a tiny crack in the armor, you go to nothing. You're like, well, I tried this and it didn't work, so I'm not even going to try anymore. Because failure feels really scary
1: right now. So let's talk about it.
0: First of all, I want to set up a a sort of a new vision of what success really is. So success is a pattern. It's not a goal. It's not a singular achievement. So I want you to think about right now, anyone in your life or anyone that maybe even someone that you don't know, maybe they're not in your life, that you see as a successful human that you're like, they have success in this thing, or they, they're a successful person. The reason why they're successful is not based on their achievements. It's based on how they have come back from failure. It's how they manage their expectations in the face of failure. Because no one that is successful in anything has ever done so without failing first. And if they have, they are the exception, they are not the rule. So we're gonna remember this, that success is a pattern, it's not a goal. And this has to do with consistency, right? Because when we are consistent towards something, and you hear this all the time, you hear people say, if you're not consistent, you can't say it didn't work, but we know the theory, we know that the the idea is that we wanna be consistent, but what does that actually mean? And so my definition of what it means to be consistent is knowing the what. I know what I need to be doing. I understand how to do it in the context of my life, which is the part that a lot of us are missing. If at the beginning you were like, oh, yeah, I'm the one. I know exactly what I need to be doing. Well, maybe what you're missing is the how. You know the what, but do you understand the how? And then the third part of being consistent is cognitive flexibility. And cognitive flexibility is a skill that you can develop over time, and cognitive flexibility, some people are able to do this more easily other people it takes a lot more work and cognitive flexibility is the number one factor that perfectionism procrastination and the all or nothing mindset do not allow you to have. And that is because cognitive flexibility means that you are able to be flexible in different situations. That means that when your kid is sick, from, is sick from school, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm not eating healthy and working out today. That means that when your kid is sick from school, you understand how to be flexible to make it work, even if it's not perfect. Even if it's just the bare minimum, you're able to be flexible with yourself. You're also able to be flexible when things are, are going against you. It's part of self-compassion cognitive flexibility and self-compassion go hand in hand. Because if you're not able to be compassionate with yourself, all of this stuff is going to be be really difficult, which is exactly why we will talk about self-compassion later on. And I want to let you know that there are already things in your life that you're really consistent with. Like, for example, you're really consistent at waking up every morning. You, You wake up and you got out of bed today. You're pretty consistent at that. Um, I'm sure you you at least, you probably eat at least one meal a day. You're probably pretty consistent at eating at least one meal a day. I imagine you probably brush your teeth. You're incredibly consistent at that. I imagine you're also consistent at when you have to pee going pee. So there's lots of things that we don't realize that we're already consistent at. And when we try to work on consistency, we feel like it's so far out of our reach, but we forget it's already something that in many parts of our lives we've mastered. And so, this is where habits come into play. And habits can be both a huge benefit and a huge uh, barrier. And that's because habits are our autopilot. And so habits are what things make things easy, but not always productive. That's why you may be in the habit of you know, going to the fridge and getting out XYZ food, And that may be a habit for you. That may be autopilot, but it may not be productive towards the person that you want to be. It
1: may not be productive towards the goals that you have.
0: Habits can also increase or decrease the need for, quote unquote, self-control and we can actually engineer and this is something that i teach in the healthy habits blueprint is we can actually engineer an environment that makes us not have to have as much self control which can be really nice especially for someone that feels like we're constantly just dealing with like struggling with willpower and and a really important note i want to make on habits is that we have the power to intentionally change these automatic behaviors so at some point you created the habit which means it is within your power to change it. We are constantly reacting to stimuli and we are constantly changing our behavior based on the stimuli that we encounter. And so when we can understand how to intentionally do this for ourselves, we become unstoppable. And then one thing, well, actually two things that are absolutely undeniably important mindfulness and self-compassion. And we often don't think of these things as being really friendly to productivity. We think of mindfulness as like being still and calm and self-compassion as being like soft and nice. And those are parts of mindfulness and self-compassion, but mindfulness can also be self-awareness and noticing and and being really aware of what's going on around you. Self-compassion can also be tough love. It can be make, making yourself do the thing that you don't want to do in the moment because you know that future you is going to be really, really happy about it. So self-compassion is not just nice and soft and fuzzy. It can also be hard when it needs to be hard. And mindfulness is not just sitting sitting on a cushion and saying "Om." Mindfulness can be really becoming aware to what your habits are and getting you off autopilot. So. Just to be clear, those are necessary. Those are not optional. And so when we're working on breaking through these these different mindsets, the mindset of the procrastinator, the mindset of the perfectionist, the mindset of all or nothing, we need to understand the what. And so that means we need to have clear and meaningful goals. Often we have sort of fuzzy goals or or they're not meaningful to us. They're, They're goals that maybe mean something to society, but they aren't necessarily personal. And a lot of the time that happens through external pressure or expectations is we feel, you know, that I hear this a lot, especially when it comes to weight loss, is like, I feel like I need to lose a certain amount of weight or I feel like I'm expected to look a certain (laughs) way. And when when we actually understand what we truly want, Uh, Doing what instead of doing what we should, we understand what we want, then it completely changes what the what is. And so this is why I've put in bold here core values. And this is actually something that I'm going to share with you because you've come and joined me here live. I'm going to share with you a tool that I use with all of my clients to help them really define and understand their core values. And this is going to be such an incredibly powerful tool for you as you move into what I like to think is kind of like the next phase of, of who you are. Um, so once we have understand the what, and, and I want to break this down on, and so that you can really get clear on why your core values are important, right? So the way that I work with my clients on defining their core values is you're going to understand your core values, which are the principles with, through which you would like to live your life. Right there. I like to think of them as a filter for the big for the big decisions and the small decisions. And so from our core values, we look at what are our priorities and your priorities, what your priorities are generally defined by how you spend your time or how you would like to spend your time. And so often there's a big disconnect between how you're currently spending your time and how you would like to spend your time. But this is something that once we become aware of it, we can start shifting it. From there, understanding your goals and how they fit into your core values is really important because as I mentioned before, if a core value, if a goal is not your goal, it's simply a goal that you believe is expected of you or that you should have, it's not going to be very meaningful and it's really easy to lose focus, lose motivation, lose the desire to actually achieve the goal. And then we get stuck in this downward shame spiral that feels really terrible. And then from there, we get to break those meaningful goals down into specific daily actions. Some of them, I say daily actions, some of them will be weekly, some of them will be monthly. We get to be really intentional about things when we actually know what our core values are. From here, I wanna talk about process-focused goals. And the reason why this is important is because this is a, this is a really key portion of the how we often set goals that are like, I wanna be healthier. And that's not very process focused. It doesn't really help us understand how I do that in my day to day. And so I wanna be healthier can transform into, I will eat vegetables with most meals. We know what the process of that looks like, right? And we can break that down. If, my, you know, if, if I have a process focused goal of I'll eat vegetables with most meals, then I get to say, cool. What needs to happen in order for that small step towards being healthier actually gets done. So that means I need to go to the grocery store. Maybe I need to research recipes. Maybe I need to work with a coach to help me understand how this actually fits into my daily life. And from there, we can actually gauge, am I eating vegetables with most meals? Which is a lot clearer than like, am I eating healthier? I think I am, but I don't actually have a clear rubric for knowing if that's happening. Again, with you know, when it comes to the gym, I need to go to the gym more versus I will go to three CrossFit classes a week. That is really, really clear. You know if you've done it, you know what it looks like, you know where you have to be. And I like to think of it, when we look at process-focused goals, I like to look at this and the way that I describe coaching in general is we're like Google Maps. When you go into Google Maps and you type where you want to go, there are a ton of different ways to get there, right? And so the process can look totally different, but the destination is the same. And I think that often when we're stuck in these sort of, excuse me, these more rigid mindsets is we forget that there are many ways to get to a goal. And so we often, as a perfectionist, we say, well, you know, I tried eating, I tried eating this way last week and it didn't work. So, you know, I guess I failed instead of saying, well, Google maps will tell me that there's many different ways to get, to, to get Mm -hmm. myself healthier. Maybe I simply need to look at a different process. And so from here, we can start to understand what, especially what we talked about in the beginning, that Mm. small step may have changed for you. This is where, so the realistic versus Mm. idealistic conversation is something Mm. that is incredibly important (laughs) when it comes to, and I just want to make sure, Kelly, I'm going to put you on mute. There we go. Um, so the realistic versus idealistic conversation is incredibly important when it comes to putting everything that I previously talked about in practice. And so a question that I want you to ask yourself, and this might be a, re- this is like holding up a mirror. and This is what coaching is all about, is holding up the mirror to someone and being like, hey, what are you conveniently ignoring? And so this is where you may be saying like, oh yeah, I'm totally going to make it to the gym five days this week, but you're conveniently ignoring that every Wednesday you wake up and you're really tired and you want a day off, right? Or you might be conveniently ignoring that you hate working out in the morning. And so a 6.30 AM workout is just not going to be something you're going to stick to. And so when you start to face these things that you're conveniently ignoring and actually look at them with compassion and be like, hey, this is, this is something I know about myself. There's nothing wrong with me. I can be compassionate and understand that this is the reality right now. How do I shift my expectations from being idealistic to being realistic? And that might mean that going back to the five-day-a-week gym habit is maybe you, you're like, well, ideally, I'm going to the gym five days a week because that's what my program says. But what's realistic for me to be consistent with right now is two days a week. And so part of that is the self-compassion of realizing like two days a week consistently is way better than five days a week, one week, zero days a week for the next three weeks because you felt so terrible trying to force yourself into five days a week on the first week. And we often struggle with this realistic versus idealistic when we get stuck in the comparison trap. And I'm going to give you some tools for how to get out of the comparison trap through self-compassion later, but we get stuck in the self in the comparison trap often through social media. Um, Social media is probably where most of you found me. Uh, Hopefully I am a a voice of of reason and a voice and, and a voice that doesn't make you feel like you need to compare yourself. But often there are voices on the internet, voices on social media that don't make you feel like you are enough, that don't make you feel like you are succeeding or like you have the right systems in place. And so if that's happening for you, you have my full blessing to unfollow or mute. And as I said, we will talk about that a little bit later. Self-compassion is in bold here because it takes a lot of compassion to set a realistic expectation versus an idealistic expectation, because the perfectionist in you will say, no, two days a week is not enough. It has to be five. And this is where we need to compassionately parent ourselves and say, hey, let's be, let's be realistic with ourselves for a little bit and let's be our own cheerleader, get ourselves to be super consistent, and then we can level up. And then this is, one of so as i mentioned in when i was talking about consistency this is one of the most incredible skills that you can develop it is a very big skill and sometimes we will have co- more cognitive flexibility in certain areas of life than in other areas of life but part of cognitive flexibility is recognizing that more than one outcome is acceptable it's it's looking at the long term versus the short term vision that is for example, oh no, I missed the gym today or I didn't eat healthy today, I'm a failure, turns into, hey, I missed the gym today or I didn't eat healthy today. What needs to change so that that does become possible for me tomorrow, right? And so this is where it—it it, it, cognitive flexibility has, has systems, it has self-compassion, it has, uh, it has planning. There are so many different aspects to it. But working on this, and we're going to get to two mindset shifts that are going to be really helpful in building cognitive flexibility. But one thing that I want you to take away from this slide is what doesn't bend will break. And this is what often happens, especially with the all or nothing mindset or perfectionism, is we are so inflexible that whatever it is we're trying to do breaks because it won't bend. Ah. We are to one of my favorite parts of this whole workshop. And this is the two mindset shifts. You you absolutely need to end procrastination, perfectionism, and the all or nothing mindset. I kind of hate that I use the word need here, but I think that it is very, very important. And very, very important just took up a lot more space. So I went with need on this. And the first mindset shift is embracing the art of showing up. And this is something that you may have heard in like a self-help book, you may have heard someone say, and I wanna actually have you understand why embracing the art of showing up is so damn important. And that is you can't do if you aren't there. And so I'll give you an example. If you don't go to the gym, you can't work out, right? This is obviously keeping in mind, you can work out at home, you can work out outside, you're going to many places that aren't, that, that aren't the gym. But if, you, if your goal is, I'm going to go work out, and that, that is in the context of the gym, you can't actually do the workout if you don't make it to the gym. And so showing up, that may mean that some days, you simply make it to the door, and then you turn around and go home. And you have proven to yourself that you can show up that shows in so many different ways. For example, I've worked with clients that, for, that, that struggle to go to the grocery store on a consistent basis. And so for them, the first thing that we work on is not having the perfect grocery list and meal planning. The first thing that we work on with them is actually going to the grocery store. Whatever the hell they buy there, I don't really care. But once they've mastered the art of showing up, They can then have the placeholder for the desired activity, which the desired activity is meal planning, is doing a healthy grocery shop, is, you know, cooking healthy meals for their family. But without showing up, they can't actually take that next step. And so this is why I actually want you to celebrate doing the bare minimum sometimes. And that will literally be, I'll give you an example from my own life. I I tend to be quite good at going to the gym. That's a, a, a skill that I have practiced for many years now. And a couple of weeks ago, I really didn't feel like it. I didn't feel that great. I was kind of worn out, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to show up. I'm going to do one exercise. And if I don't feel good, I can leave. And that is exactly what I did. I went, I showed up, I did one exercise. I was like, I feel like crap. And I left, but you know what? I was proud of myself because I showed up. I did what I said I was going to do when I said I was going to do it. And I was compassionate with myself along the way. Next mindset shift. Fall in love with practice. And this is, so I'm going to give you, I love this analogy. I, I, I sort of toot my own horn with my analogy sometimes, and that's just because I'm my own cheerleader in a lot of things. But if you think about Rafael Nadal, who is one of the most well-known tennis players, perhaps of all time, and he is, you would say, a master at his craft. Rafael Nadal is a fantastic tennis player. We can say about the same thing like Serena and Venus Williams, fantastic tennis players. They all practice. They have not, even though they're masters at it, they have not yet gotten to the point where they're like, oh, Grand Slam coming up, I'm not gonna practice for that. That has not happened. And the day it happens is the day that they are going to stop progressing in whatever it is they do. And so one thing that the procrastination, that perfectionism and that the all or nothing mindset don't let you do is actually practice, because practice means you get to try stuff out, you get to suck at it, and then you get to get better. And so when you fall in love with practice. You start looking at the things that you're doing in a totally different way. You realize that progress isn't linear. Even Serena Williams has really shitty days of tennis practice, and she still shows up the next day, observes what happens, happened the previous day, and works on it. And so part of practicing is being okay with being bad at something before you're good at it. This is something that as, as adults, we suck at. We are so not good at being bad at something before we're good because we've forgotten what it's like to be a kid. We've forgotten what it's like for everything to be new. And so practice is about letting yourself be bad. A question that can be really, really helpful when you're in this process that often we forget about is, what skills, tools, or resources can facilitate what I'm trying to do? And those skills can be simply, for example, say you're trying to get better at cooking, it's not just try harder, it's, hey, maybe I need better knife skills. Maybe I need to familiarize myself with different cooking methods. What tools do I need? That may be specific tools, like maybe I need better running shoes, or that may be tools like maybe I need to take a course. Maybe I need to have a different set of mindset tools or self-care tools. When I talk about resources, a resource could be, like I said, taking a course, reading a book. It could be getting a coach. I think one thing that I do want to be clear on is that we often spend a lot of time on like gathering the idea of like what skills tools or resources do i need without actually practicing in those skills tools or resources and that is the key part of practice is like figure out what skill you need it can you it can be the wrong skill but practice it right it's the same thing with i know i've worked talked to a lot of people that have worked with really shitty coaches and so they're like oh well you know coaching isn't for me cuz i had a really bad coach and the example that I use is if you have a bad haircut, are you not going to go back and get another haircut ever? You're just not going to go back to the same hairdresser, but you're going to know that there are good hairdressers out there. So if you've had a bad coach, but coaching is something that you feel like could be helpful for you, know that there are good coaches out there. If I can, if I can in any way help you find a good coach, I'm happy to do that. It may be me, it may be someone else. I have no idea. But that is something that I think can be really, really important and know that even coaches have coaches. I have had so many coaches and I currently have a coach. And this is one thing that you can actually start. I mean, really anything we've talked about, I think you can start today. I know there's been a lot covered here, but this is one thing that I think if you were to take, if you were to ask me, what one thing can I take away from what we've talked about today? I think this would be the most important and that is the, the, the self-compassion. And so self-compassion is a practice. It's not something that all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm self-compassionate now. And then it just is. It's something like everything we've talked about. It requires practice. It requires systems. It requires habits. And one of the things that I feel like can be the most helpful when you are dealing with perfectionism or when you are dealing with an all-or-nothing mindset, when you are dealing with procrastination, is knowing that whatever it is that you're dealing with, you're not alone. And this is sometimes we feel like this special snowflake that I am the only one that's suffering. I'm the only one that sucks at this. I'm the only one that understands what I'm going through. And even though it may feel kind of weird, I promise you there are other people that are struggling with what you're struggling with. This is common humanity, right? And so, if you are not the only person that's struggling with what you're struggling with, you can be compassionate with other people. If someone says, Hey, I'm struggling with XYZ, you can be compassionate towards them. Now you get to turn this inwards. One of the most important and and impactful ways to do this is start noticing without judgment your unhelpful or your critical thoughts. And sometimes it can even just be really eye opening to write them down and think about would I talk to someone that I love in this way? Would I talk to someone that I care about in this way? You can practice reframing. So when, for example, in a situation, you know, we know that all these different mindsets really fear failure. And so in the face of failure, how do I reframe it? I think you've learned two important tools as far as the mindsets we just talked about that can help you reframe it. One, you know, practicing, if we're constantly practicing, then it's not a failure, right? That can be a really compassionate way to look at something that feels like a failure. And another tool that I think is really helpful for self-compassion is to find, and I I should have put in here, find and ask for support. We often don't ask for what we need because we feel like we're putting other people out. And because you're not alone in this, you can know that other people are also struggling with not being very self-compassionate, which can remind you that sometimes all we need is for someone else to be like, hey, I'm dealing with this too. I want to give you some tools that can be really, really helpful to start opening the door of self-compassion. So one is to do a social media cleanse. Anybody that doesn't make you feel good about yourself or anybody that you feel like you get stuck in the comparison trap anybody that you feel is causing you feelings of guilt or shame, let's say, say you're trying to eat healthier. So you're following a bunch of healthy eating accounts, but you notice that there's a couple of healthy eating accounts that just make you feel shitty about the fact that your meals don't look as perfect as theirs. Unfollow them. That's not necessary. It's not making you feel good. You can also mute people if if you're like, hey, I don't know if I can handle this right now, but maybe in the future, you can put someone on mute. They don't know that. They can't see that you're doing that, but it just takes away from the pressure of of dealing that on a a day-to-day basis and putting it right in front of your face. Another great way to practice self-compassion is to bring shame out of the dark. And I talked about this on the last slide is talking about this with people in your life. And this is where social media can actually be a huge benefit. And this is why like most of you have seen me on Instagram Lives. I'm on live pretty much every single day and, and bringing a lot of this shit, so to speak, out of the dark. And, and this can be something that you do in your own community. This can be something that you do with your family or this can be something that you simply do with yourself. And that can, can look like expressive writing. A lot of you may do journaling. or You may have heard of the benefits of journaling, but often expressing yourself can almost be like taking some of that shame that you feel and putting it out into the light, and that can feel really good. There is a specific exercise that can be really, really helpful as well for practicing self-compassion, especially as a, as a self-compassion newbie. And that can be a—it's called the "how you how would you treat a friend" exercise. And this was an exercise actually developed by Kristen Neff, who is one of the foremost researchers in self-compassion. She is absolutely fantastic. And I would highly recommend listening to any podcast she's on. You can message me and I will send you a couple of her podcast interviews. And she has an exercise called how would you treat a friend? And that is whenever a situation comes up that brings up some of these negative or self-critical thoughts, you can actually specifically ask yourself, how would I treat a friend in this situation? And that can, you can go through that by writing. You can go through that by thinking. You can go through that by speaking it out loud. But actually, thinking about how you would treat that that person that you care about can be really helpful in understanding how you would want to start treating yourself. And then, one of my personal favorites for practicing self compassion is to spend more time in the present and less time in the anxiety of the future or the anxiety of the past. And I'm going to raise my hand right here because this is the one that I struggle with the most and that I am actively working on at the moment. And one of the most impactful ways to do this. Is by removing distractions intentionally, and that can be, for example, I have clients that work on going for walks without listening to music or while or without listening to podcasts. Uh, I have other clients that will, for example, they're used to listening to music while they're in the shower, and they take that away. They are used to. I mean, one of the things that I work the most on with clients is mindful eating practices, and so spending more time in the present can be with your food. If you are eating while you're on the computer, you're eating while you're watching TV, eating while you're on your phone, that doesn't let you be in the present. And it can bring up then shame or guilt around food, which is something that I deal with a lot with my clients. So these are four kind of really great ways that you can start practicing self-compassion today. And I know that it can be nice to say, well, I'll just be nicer to myself. And that's an okay start. Like that's an okay opening to kind of get yourself to consider this, but self-compassion, and I'm not gonna lie to you here, self-compassion takes effort and it takes practice. It takes intention and it starts with showing up. That may mean that you simply are opening the door by saying, I will be nicer to myself. Maybe that's why it's, that's an okay start. Maybe that's what showing up is like. And then you can actually one by one, because I don't recommend doing every single thing I mentioned all at once, But start one by one intentionally including these things in your life so that self-compassion becomes a practice
1: for you. So I want you to go
0: back to your goal, the the thing that you wanted to achieve from the beginning. You wrote this down right at the beginning of of this workshop. And knowing what you know now, would you change what that one step looks like? You don't have to share it with me, but if you want to hop in the chat and be like, yes, I wouldn't change it. No, I wouldn't change it. I would love to hear your feedback because that's also really helpful for me for knowing how I explain things and how you guys are thinking about things. If you weren't here right at the beginning, don't worry. You're going to get the replay. So you'll get to work through all of this yourself. But knowing what you know now, would you change what that one step
1: looks like? Yes. All right.
0: Yeah, I'm really I'm I'm glad to hear that because that means that you've learned, and that also means that I served my purpose, which I'm very happy about. So we're not done yet. I want to ask you if you're stuck in this cycle, and this this is the cycle of this week. I'm going to be perfect, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. I'm going to be perfect, and then maybe you have a moment of like, ooh, I was so good today. And then you have a day where you're like, oh, today kind of sucked. And then you're like, well, this is just not worth it. I give up. And then you kind of end up right back where you're started. And this can't. this may be the cycle that you're stuck in now. I'm going to show you
1: what it could look like for you. And so it could look like this.
0: I'm going to give it a try. Today wasn't perfect, but I learned something. Maybe you start building confidence. Maybe you get ready to step it up. And you still go back to, I'm still learning, but I'm getting better. And so this stops being like a feedback loop. And it starts being like, kind of like, like waves. Because we know that some days things are going to be easier. Some days things are going to be harder. And part of that is being self-compassionate enough to be aware
1: and accept that.
0: So what do you need to do next? And full disclosure with you guys, this workshop I had originally developed as as something to help me sell my online course. And I chose to offer it to all of you today just because I think it's a really helpful workshop. And I wanted to offer you an opportunity to really learn and then also get to know me a little bit because what part of what my goals are right now is to really figure out how I can serve people better and help them want to do better things for themselves. And so what are you going to do next? You're going to start getting off autopilot. You're going to start noticing your thoughts, your actions, and your habits in a self-compassionate way.
1: You're going to start building your skills,
0: your tools, and your resources. You're going to ask for help where needed. Often perfectionism doesn't let you ask for help because that shows a chink in your armor. Because if you ask for help, if you're a perfectionist or if you're a procrastinator, that means that you don't have all the answers. But here's the thing. The people that I know that are the most skilled, the most experienced, the most capable are the people that are the first ones to say, I don't know and ask for help because they are aware of what they are capable of. And they know that the only way they're going to improve is to ask for help where they need it and to continue building skills, tools, and
1: resources. You'll
0: you'll also start practicing self-compassion in the face of failure you're going to ask yourself, and I want to share with you also, I just recently did a podcast episode on failure and how to reframe it, which I think can be really helpful. So I'll share that once we're finished here. But I want you to ask yourself, what can I learn from this? Instead of what does this say
1: about me? What can I learn from this? Oh, I guess I repeated myself here.
0: And ending on questions. So my friends, if you are on Instagram, or if you are over here on Zoom, any questions that have come up through this workshop, let them go. I am ready to hang out. I've got about 10 minutes. So I'm all yours. If we do not have questions, that is also okay. But I will still hang out for a couple more minutes and let you guys gather your thoughts. And if any questions come up, I'm
1: happy to answer them. All
0: right, cool. No question, but shameless plug for the course. I loved it. (laughs) Thank you, Lindsay. I really, really appreciate that. And Kelly, thank you. I'm really happy that you were able to join us. So thank you for being here. Um, I want to make sure. So if I don't have your email address, um, if you want to drop that in the chat and that way I can send you the replay and I'm also going to send you the values exercise that I mentioned and you that is it's a Google form so you it, you'll actually have space to answer all of the questions in there. And that can really help you. You can email yourself the answers and that way you can see how to use um, how to use doo, 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 uh, the values in the, in the context of your life. So with that, all right, let me just make sure I've got these emails here. All right, great. And I will go ahead and sign off for today. I want to let you know where you can reach me. So you can always email, reach me via email, jillian.bitesize.es. Uh, I I think most of you or all of you already follow me, follow me over on Instagram. And I have a weekly podcast it's called the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. You can re- find that on any podcast player. And over there, I talk about a lot of these concepts. And I also discuss uh, a lot more around mindset, around practical tips to become an overall healthier person. And some upcoming episodes include, you know, the relationship between food and emotions, which I think is a really, is going to be a really great one. I'm also going to be talking a little bit more about mindfulness and how you can be mindful without actually meditating because full disclosure, meditation makes me really uncomfortable, but I do like to practice mindfulness. So with that, my friends, I want to thank you so much for being here. I'm going to end the recording here.